Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Just thought I would let you know as we get going here, uh, Paisley's first birthday is today. And they're having cake. So uh, if, if I see a whole bunch of people rushing out the door, I know you're going to... Uh, Paisley for, for cake. Uh, they, yeah, they had Freshers Week, outreach stuff going on this week. Very excited. One year. One year. First birthday. And uh, wow, what a start. What a start. So excited about that. But let me bless you. Let me bless us as a church here. I'll, I'll bless you now. I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing. If you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirits today. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need this morning. Whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the courage and capacity to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel joy and hope and love and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. All right, friends, we started last week looking at a little background study of Abraham, who's God's friend. A map here and and a few pictures just kind of remind you of what we were talking about last week. We looked at Abraham, at this point, Abram, Abraham's birth city of Ur of the Chaldees, pictured there. We also talked about how they moved from Ur, he and his whole family and his father and stuff. They moved to Haran, which is at the top of the map. We started in the bottom, uh, the bottom number one at Ur and then up to number two at Haran. We're talking about how both of those were very prosperous locations and both were centers of worship of the moon god uh, named Sin or Na'anan. We talked about how, according to Joshua chapter 24, that Abram's dad, Abraham's dad, didn't worship Yahweh. He worshiped other gods, most certainly the moon god in these cities, but probably other gods as, as well. Now, and I also showed you, as you can see up here, different ancient depictions of the moon god in art and in symbology here, and, and how you had the picture of the crescent moon representing and facing up, even specifically, uh, to represent the presence of the moon god or to to depict the, the moon god. Now, when I told you that, I was curious. I was curious if you would wonder what I would wonder. And I, and I, and I, I kind of set it up like, okay, we have the cross, and it represents Jesus, and then this symbol, moon god, represent, you know, represents a moon god. And I, I paused, wondering, and I did get one email this week, one from, from all the church, I got one email where, where someone said that they have often been told that Allah is an old moon god. And I, I haven't looked in, I don't know much about that. But uh, I, when I looked at that symbol, and then you look at like Mecca, and you see the exact same crescent facing up, 
you know, it was in my head, and, and I wasn't sure if, if, it would, uh, if anybody would have the same sort of thought. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying anything there. I know Yahweh and Allah are not the same. They don't think the same. They're not the same. That's what I do know. But, um, you know, a Muslim would say, no way. They are not. They would say, no. Um, a, a Christian from Texas would say, absolutely. You know, without a doubt, you know, for sure. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't know much about that. But either way, I found it curious, and I was just wondering if, if other people would see, the, see uh, and, and maybe somebody else would, would look into it. Anyways, last week we talked about how Abram, or Abraham, how Yahweh appeared to him in Ur of the Chaldees. And, and he told him to leave, and he told him to go to the land that God would show him. That's where we were last week. Today, we're going to talk about the God who calls you. The God who calls you. And if you're listening to this message, that's pretty unlikely. Uh, there is going to be a lot more people alive on planet Earth today who are not going to listen to this message, as shocking as it seems, uh, than, than who are. And, it, and I believe if you're listening to this message, God has you here to remind you maybe that he has been calling you, that he has been speaking to you, uh, and, and maybe you don't realize it yet, but, but something significant has happened in your life so that you're here and that you're listening, or you're maybe even against your will you're listening. Maybe, maybe it, it, you're, you're just listening and you're trying to ignore, or you're trying to think about anything else, but, but I believe you're here to be reminded that God is the God who calls, that God is the God who called Abraham. And God is the God who calls you. So we're going to be looking at the beginning of Genesis chapter 12 today. And we're going to look at the call of Abraham. And we're going to see what God's callings look like. And what they include. As we learn about the God who calls you. Alright, so I'm in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And this is what we read. Yahweh, or the Lord, had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, I, and, I, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Right from the beginning, something jumps off the page in those verses. Had said. Had said. Past tense. You think about the timeline here. We know from Acts chapter 7 that God spoke when Abram was in Ur of the Chaldees. Since then, he, there's a huge gap of time between when God spoke to him and when he moved with his family and his extended family up to Ur and, or sorry, up to Haran, where they settled there. And they settled there until Abraham's dad died. And, and so there's a huge timeline, a huge gap of time between Abram's calling and what God had called him to do and when Abram finally fully decides to do it. To obey, to obey all the way. Again, in this case, years probably. Years. 
Now, I, again, I told you that the story of Abraham is a, a story of an imperfect person. As somebody who's learning that God can be trusted. And these are early days. In fact, this is the very, very early moments of learning that, that God can be trusted. And Abraham is struggling here at the beginning, again, probably for years to fully step forward and trust with full obedience the God who calls. He basically waits to say yes to God fully until his, his father dies. Now, friends, I don't want you to imitate Abraham's slow example of following God. I want you to learn from it, but I don't want you to imitate his, his slow example here. Be someone who's, who's quick, who quickly says yes to the God who calls you. Fast yes. Fully yes. Fast yes, full, fully yes. I think of the disciples. I think of Jesus walking along the shore of Galilee and he, and he looks at some fishermen and he says, follow me. And it says, immediately they left their nets. Can you imagine somebody having OCD and being like, I'm just leaving the nets here on the ground. And I'm, they, they, but immediately, fast yes, fully yes, leaving. It, it even says of James and John that they left their father standing there. You know, not an intentional, I doubt. Uh, I doubt it's an intentional echo of Abraham, but Abraham wouldn't leave until his father died. But they left their father with all the work to do, and, and they left uh, immediately. God is the God who calls you. Say yes. Say yes fast. Say yes fully. I also think of the story in, in Luke 9.10. It kind of crosses the chapter line there. In, in 9 and 10 where Jesus calls other people to, to follow him. And, and one of them says, first, let me go bury my father. Like, let, let me go, like, kind of like Abraham. Like, let, let, me, let me wait until my, my father passes. Let me, let me wait until my father dies and then I will follow you. And then another one says, first, let me go say goodbye to my family. Now, now, what happens to those two guys? Well, they miss out on what God was inviting them into. It goes on to say that Jesus appointed 72 others, and those others had an extraordinary God season. An extraordinary season. But those, those others missed out because they weren't willing to say yes. They weren't willing to say yes now. They weren't willing to say yes uh, fast and, and fully. Now there's so many of you that I believe today are being given a second chance to get back on track. A, a second opportunity to, to say yes. You know that you've been called by God. Like Abraham, like in the past, you've heard God has spoken to you and you, you, you've been, been hesitant in, in some way, maybe a way that only you know. You've been feeling called to obey, called to do something, called to a change, and you've been dragging your feet. You've been delaying. You've been delaying, waiting for something. I think the, the right word is disobeying, but we'll stay with a, a nicer word, delaying. Friends, it's, it's time, though. It's time to say yes. It's time to say yes to the God who calls you. It's time to stop dragging your feet when it comes to 
obedience. And, and again, only you know potentially what I'm talking about here. And, and, and I believe that there are people missing out right now because they have been delaying. They, they, they are holding back in stepping into what God's calling them to do. And so God is holding back on what he has for you. And I say, trust him. Well, let's go. Say, say yes to God's call. Well, anyways, in the past, in Abraham's story, God had told him and called him. And he was called by the God who calls. And that call had three parts to it. Parts that are very similar to what we would experience when God calls us. There is leave. There is go. And there is promised rewards. There is leave, there is go, there is promise. Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives, go, go in that case to the land that I will show you, and then lots of promised rewards, whether it's make your name famous, or I will, you know, all nations on earth will be blessed through you, or, or, or whatever. Like, when God calls you, it typically has these three elements, an aspect of leaving, or letting go, or, or saying no, or stopping something. Stopping something, leaving a sin behind, leaving, letting go. It usually has a sense of going, going uh, maybe towards godliness, going towards a new, a new direction, a, a change, a, a stepping forward in faith in some way. Now, now those two elements are where the, the trust challenge is, where the obedience test tends to be. Will I, will I trust God in this moment? God's calling, and it, and it usually comes at a cost. If you were already on the trajectory, he probably wouldn't need to call you because you're on the path. But, he, but he's looking for a shift. He's looking for something to let go of this. He's looking for something for, to, to, to step into. And the question then, will you trust the God who calls you? Will you trust the God who calls you? And the, the cost might feel really high. But there are also promised rewards. Even if you don't know exactly what they will fully be, the Bible is clear about rewards in this life and in the next. When Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's teaching his disciples and he says, any of you who have given up fields or houses or family, for, for, will receive a hundred times more in this life and then eternal life in, in the, the world. There, that's a general promised reward statement. I, I think about it all the time. I'm, surpri I'm surprised you don't make fun of me more for this one thing. I mean, with all the things you do make fun of me for, I, I'm surprised I don't, I don't hear more like, that is so weird of you. You call us family and friends all the time. You don't even know me. Like, how can you say friends? Hey, friends. How, how do you, you don't even know. Like, I, I guess I'm surprised that you don't taunt me about that more with all the things I get taunted about. Maybe family is obvious, like we're part of the family of God. But for me, I hinge it on this, on this teaching of Jesus. This, this idea of anyone who leaves a hundred times more. I, I, when, when, when we left, we, I left all of my extended family. Callie left all of her extended family. All the friends that we had before we got on the plane to move here are not in our lives currently. 
tell you to us? And so I'm like, well, I left that behind, and I'm looking at Jesus' rewards, and I'm just like, well, then, you were my Jesus family, and you are my friends, I guess. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Lots of wonderful friends. So, so you know, it's that kind of stuff that's playing in my mind as I go through this and as I think through what Jesus says. That's how I put it together. That's how I put it together. That's how the disciples seem to live it out. And they have left everything to follow the God who calls. To calls you. Now, the Bible is filled with examples of promised rewards. Those who say yes, those who say yes to the God who calls you, we, we leave behind whatever we leave behind. We go where God says to go, and then God gives rewards for, for obedience. My advice is to stop being so transfixed by the leaving and the uncertainties of where God's calling you to go. The journey of how you're going to get there. That's the thing. That's the challenge. It flares up in our minds. The cost. I don't know if I can let go. Or I don't know how I'm going to, how it will ever get from here to there. It just seems too much. I would say stop worrying about that and transfix on Jesus. On, on who he is. The God who calls and the God who gets us there. The one who you can say yes and trust. You can say yes quickly. You can say yes fully. And then you can rest in the fact that there are rewards coming to those who say yes. When it, when it comes to following the God who calls you, usually you don't get to know all the answers before you decide. Isn't that great, by the way? I mean, you're like, oh, no. No, you don't get to live by faith if you have all the answers in advance. But we get to live by faith. Trusting God and proving to others that we trust God by trusting Him. Usually you, you don't get to know all the answers before you need to decide. Saying yes to Jesus always requires trusting the one who is trustworthy. Anyway, so Abraham here, he doesn't know where he's going to end up. He doesn't know. All he knows is that he needs to leave. And he needs to go to an unknown location those far. But he needs to leave first before he's going to find out where he's going to go. And he's been given some promises. And if he says yes, so then what happens? Well, after his father dies in Haran, Abram remembers that I, in the past, years ago, I, God had called me. God, God had, had, I have been called by the, the God who calls. I have been called to leave and to go. And so eventually, he says yes. So, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed years ago. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. Remember, he's thriving in Haran. It's a very, very uh, easy place to prosper. And headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by 
the Canaanites. I have a secret hope for you today. My, my secret hope is that all of us would have a verse 4 God moment today. A verse 4 moment where it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. That all of us would remember what God has called, what God has said, and that finally, today, we would go. We would depart as the Lord has in instructed. But again here, we see Abraham struggling to say fully yes. Lot goes with him. And we're going to find out that that wasn't good. It wasn't good for Abraham and Lot, but it was Detriment, it was devastating for Lot. If you track Lot's story, yes, um, well, I don't want to tell you the story, but it, it gets bad now and in multi, in generations ahead. It, it's a very awful journey for Lot and all of his descendants, right? It would be better, most likely, for his Lot have not to come with Abram. It's like God knows what he's doing when he says, only bring this amount. He's not being cruel, he's being all knowing. Just. How about the map just for a second here? So Abram, he says yes when he's up in Haran. And then, top red circle, and then he journeys down to Shechem, waiting for God to tell him where he's going to go. And so he arrives in Shechem, and and I'm going to read a little bit further here. In fact, I'm going to back up and just read the same verse. Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then, as he's camping there, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. He finally hears. I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Friends, this is why Shechem is such a huge deal in the Old Testament. Why, why it keeps getting, getting brought up. Because Shechem is the promised land of the promised land. It's the land where God finally says, this is the land I promised. This is where Abram finds out that this is the promised land. And, and if you keep paying attention, the significance of this moment keeps echoing throughout the, the story of the Old Testament. Here's, here's a map and some pictures here of, of Shechem and, and the, the area of Shechem there. So, again, Shechem is where God first appears to Abraham in the land. He had beforehand. And this is where he said, this is the land. This is the first place Abraham builds an altar to the Lord in in the land. Uh, It doesn't note him having built an altar before, but but this is the first time it's mentioned. But then continuing through the Bible, his his grandson Jacob buys land here at Shechem, digs a well. It's it's there to this day. Uh, Jesus himself went to this well, drank from this well, had a conversation with a woman at the well. But but Jacob Jacob, uh, has land here. Shechem is where Moses commanded the nation to go first to worship God. He said, go here when you get into the land. And half of the nation lines up on Mount Ebal on one side, and, and half lines up on, on Mount Gerizim on the other side. And in the Bible, you have different names, but you can see it's right there. It's at Shechem. And that's where they are to build their first worship altar in, in the nation, like Abraham did. 
And so they build an altar there, and they, they worship. It's, it's, the same, it's the same significance there. And then you go throughout the, the, the story of the Bible, and, and then when the kingdom divides uh, after Solomon's day, Shechem becomes the place for the capital for the northern kingdom. Jeroboam says, okay, this is our heart. This is going to be the center uh, of, the, of the kingdom, for the, at least for the northern tribes. Shechem becomes a big deal because this moment that we're reading about is huge, where God finally says, you followed me, you've trusted me, you're here. This is the land I promised you. After building an altar, and, and, and that, we, we keep reading here, verse 8, after that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages towards the Negev. Okay, so back to our map here. The purple road is the very exact road that Abraham took. How do you know? Because it's the only road. <laughs> it's the only possible road. So this is, this is uh, called the Patriarchal Highway because Abraham, Jacob, and, and, and uh, Isaac, they, they'll walk up and down and have stories up and down this exact same road. You can see the red dot there that's partway down. That's the, the place between Bethel and Ai. That's, that's where that is, where Abraham makes a second altar. It's also the area where Jacob goes and he, and he has a vision of angels going up and down uh, uh, the, the stairways to heaven. Um, anyway, so, so that's, that's the road that, that he's going down. Oh, let, let's go to the next map. Is there another map? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, there we go. AI red dot there. And then we find him down at the very bottom. There's a red dot at the very bottom of the map. That's where Abraham's going to be ending up. And he's going to be staying down there for, for quite some time. Anyway, so in recap, the God who calls you called Abraham to go, sorry, to leave, called Abraham to leave, and then he called him to go, and then if he does, he's going to inherit promised rewards, and eventually Abraham says yes, and physically he left the land that God sent him to. Now that's one type of way that God might be calling you. It's not the only type, but it's, it's one type. Abraham and the disciples of Jesus, they were called to leave their families and to, to go and follow where God was going to lead them. I, I guess that's also a bit true of, of my story as well. But that's not the only way that God calls. Sometimes when God calls, he's calling you to stay, to not quit, to keep going when you'd rather run, to, to, to stay in a situation, to, to not leave. And maybe some of you know where that's like, where you've been so frustrated and, and you're, just, you're just done and you, you don't want to remain where God has you. You're like, no, I, I, I just give up. It's, it's too much. It's too hard. Sometimes God says, keep going. And we're like, no, I don't want to do that. Friends, when it comes to following God, whether it's going or staying, the answer is always trust Jesus. You can trust the God who calls you. And, and there are real rewards for, for saying yes. 
I find when, when God calls, usually, usually you don't get to know as much as you would like to know before you need to decide. Usually, you don't get to know as much as you would like to know before you need to decide. Again, yay, right? Oh, we get to live by faith, by, by trusting God. You, and maybe it seems less pleasant and, and more stressful. I get it. I've been through this many times. I'm not a rookie in this moment. But, but also, even though it can be challenging and, 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 and a faith test, God's call is so basic that even a child could make the decision. In fact, sometimes the Bible says ch- children could probably make better decisions just with that childlike simplicity. God says, you know, leave sin behind. Leave sin behind and uh, don't have sex with that person that you're not married to. You're not married, right? Or your anger has got to stop. You are sinning grossly in this anger stuff that you're, you're dealing with. You're not called to rage. You're called to peace. And, and, and so God's, God's calling and, and he's, he's challenging it to, things to leave behind and things to pursue. Run after purity. Run after holiness. Run after righteousness. Run after peace. Run after joy. And, and you might be like, I don't... I don't the, the cost and, and all that kind of stuff. We can, we can overthink things, but even a child could know the right way on that one, on, on these ones. Every child can get to the heart of it. Will I obey God or not? Will I trust God? Will I find God trustworthy or, or not? When it comes to my attitude, when it comes to my behavior, will I say yes to Jesus or not? I was just four years old when I said yes, a clear, a clear and forever yes to Jesus. Uh, here's a picture here. So I, I found this after my, my grandma pa- pa- passed away in one of her Bibles. It was, a, it was such a, a, not, um, a not awesome Bible in comparison to the other Bibles that she had, Right? And, and so I, I kind of didn't really look at it, but I just happened to flip through this one right, right at the very end, and I saw this one note. There was one note in the back of this Bible, and it was just, I don't think she used this Bible very long. And so I rip, ripped out the page. Uh, I, and, and, and what the note says, if, if you can't read it again, this is American lingo. She's American. The August 11th, August 11th, 1981, Little Brian told me he asked Jesus to come into his heart, age almost five years. One of the things I love about the God who calls you is he calls you and he helps you hear his call. Even a four-year-old can hear it thanks to the Holy Spirit. And so I, I just want to remind you, remember and hear. Hear and remember how, what God's called you. So, some of you need to hear that you have been called by God. You have, you have, you have been invited by, by Jesus to say yes right now and to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus and, and to be saved. 
You're invited, and the Holy Spirit made sure you were here to know you were invited, to hear the great invitation, to, to hear this plea to stop dragging your feet and say yes fast and say yes fully, fully. I understand that some of you are like, I wish I knew more. I wish I knew more because it's a big decision or you're, you're wrestling with the cost of following Jesus. And yeah, there is a message in the Bible about count the cost. Count the cost of what you would need to leave behind if you say yes to Jesus. It, it's true. Saying yes to Jesus means leaving things behind. It does mean leaving things behind. But it's worth it. It's worth it. God promises rewards of forgiveness of sins, eternal life, that you get to become a new kind of person, one that's permanently filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and, and, and so many other things. Saying yes to Jesus means leaving behind a life of sin and going your way, and it means going forward with courage committed to following Jesus, doing what Jesus wants, courageously learning about Jesus and, and telling others about Jesus. But again, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's a big decision with life-altering consequences. But even a four-year-old child can make it and keep it. I wonder what are the things going through your mind. I, I don't know what God has called you specifically to in, in this moment or what, what are those things that are coming to mind as you think this through, what you're being reminded of past things in the past that God's uh, called you to that, that you've been uh, resisting a little bit. Maybe it's to believe and to, to give your life to Jesus. Maybe it's, it's a certain sin that, that you've been wrestling to hold on to and not let go of. A disobedience thing that you know and your, your spirit has been like, stop, but you haven't want to let go of it. Or may, maybe it's, it's, it's courage of stepping into something new or, or letting go of, of something and making a life change. And you know that God's been calling you to make this step, but it doesn't seem convenient. It doesn't seem right right now or the cost seems too high. I, I don't know what, what's going on in your mind. What, what are the calling that, that God, but I do know God is the God who's called you. I, I do know that God is the God who can be trusted, who, who you can follow. And I'm just laying it out there for you, friends. Today is the day to say yes. To say yes now and to say yes fully. It took Abraham years to fully say yes. And maybe same with you. But I invite you, today is the day to decide. So the challenge is simply this. I want you to identify, which you already know, what God is calling you to do or what he has been calling you to do and, and to go outside, not yet. I want you to go outside. I want you to look up and I want you to tell God yes out loud. You're just walking outside. God, this thing I've been wrestling with, the thing I've been dragging my feet on, the thing I've been reluctant because I, I just, I've been wrestling with you about this. I say yes, finally. Today's the day. Let me pray, let me pray for us. Maybe you have a, 
a quiet conversation now before you have a loud conversation outside looking at the sky. And you just have that moment. Jesus, give me the audacity and the courage to say this yes, to make this yes, and to keep this yes. Maybe you're here and you need, you're like, okay, I have been feeling drawn to Jesus. And today I am going to say yes. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm not going to drag my feet. And I'm going to say yes to Jesus. In that case, I would suggest praying something like this right now. God, here I am. I say yes. I will believe in Jesus. I will follow Jesus I will run after Jesus all the days of my life. Today I say yes. I say yes fully. I say yes forever. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. And I eagerly look forward to eternal life with you. Lead me forward in Jesus' name. Amen.